We'll welcome all of you. It is good to see you uh, here in this uh, physical house. Also to have everybody else watching and joining online um, as we make our way through this series uh, called Try This at Home. And I know Pastor Dan made fun of me last weekend. Shame on him. I wasn't able to be here to even defend myself as I, you know, stumbled through the title of the series the first weekend. Then he really solidified it. You know, he's two weeks older than me. So he just has that extra authority, that extra wisdom. So he was able to say, this is the title, is Try this at home, and it's of course making room and laying foundation for our house churches, this really cool adventure and experiment that we believe God is leading us to try over the next few months on the fourth full weekend of the month. But before I get to that, I just want to tell you it's great to be back with you. Um, last weekend we were away, while well, Dan was making fun of me uh, defenselessly, we were uh, totally away and not able to defend ourselves because we were at our daughter's uh, wedding. That happened a week ago today, she's our baby. I think we've got a picture there of, of her, Eliana, and Nathaniel. So that's them. Aww, isn't it sweet? So they were married, and so we are now family. Keith, my new co-bro. I love you, man. Ben was the best man. He's the, uh, my son-in-law's brother, and it's just great to be part of, of your family and, and all of that. Um, I really felt it most when I Monday morning came along, and I had my phone, and for whatever reason, I came across her contact card in my contacts, and it said Ellie Smith, and it was kind of like, oh, ouch, you know, technically, I probably need to update that, but it was like, but I don't want to, <laughs> and I was kind of like arguing with myself about how to do that, it really made me pause, no joke, as a dad, it was one of those dad moments, and then I got wind that she had already changed her Instagram handle, she was already like Ellie underscore Lair, and I was like, what, no, isn't there like a seven-day mandatory like cool-off period, or like probationary? No, she was all in, man. They were in Florida on their honeymoon, and she was already aware of us. So anyway, it is, uh, we are, she's stepping into a new season uh, in her life. We're stepping into a new season, officially empty nesters now, and ironically, we felt like the Lord wanted us to talk about the power of a new season. It's almost like we planned that whole introduction to make a segue to the power of a new season. But that is actually our topic this weekend. If you didn't catch the other parts of this series, we started off talking about the power of the table and how God is uh, giving back the table to his people. Truly wanting us to understand, man, it's our birthright to sit at God's table with one another and to, and to encourage one another and to receive and to give as siblings that we are in Christ. And so that was two weeks ago. Last weekend, Pastor Dan rocked it with a teaching on the power of community and just literally challenging us that when we really step into the type of community that they experience in Acts chapter two, the result of that was that awe filled the people because of the things that God was doing. Can you imagine that, guys, for a second? That we are so in awe of what God is doing in us and through us that we can't wait to come back together to celebrate, that we're so full of like, oh my goodness, I gotta tell you what happened at our house. I gotta tell you what happened in this person's life. I gotta tell you what happened in their marriage or, or with their parenting and their kids or with their physical healing or just them knowing Jesus in a new way. So I'm telling you what, if you haven't heard that one, go back and hear that one. But today we wanna kind of hit it in this third angle, which is the power of a new season. And I don't know uh, if you've noticed, but our season is changing, actually, uh, out there. We had snow like a couple of weeks ago, um, just in time to clear the skies for our daughter's wedding. I'm not saying, you know, God did it just for us, but, you know, he might have, because um, it was beautiful blue skies, and then right back to, you know, smoke. But anyway, um, season is changing. I also noticed that this morning when I walked in, and or I had been here a few minutes, and my wife walked in with a drink in her hand. 
And do you know what was in that drink? Oh, yeah. Come on, ladies. You know. You know. It was a pumpkin. I'm not trying to give away how I feel about this, but it was a pumpkin iced cold brew cream latte. And, of course, I had it. It was actually delicious. But I'm kind of one of the, you know, when it comes to seasons, you're probably either the resistor or you're kind of that jump ahead like, I'm ready, right? I'm, let's get into the next one. When it comes to fall, I'm a resistor. I'm just going to be honest. I don't want pumpkin spice lattes. Don't talk to me about them until like October. Okay, let me just, you know, milk the, the last few days of summer. But seasons, whether we like them or not, they're a reality, aren't they? They come upon us. We don't control them. We might not have asked for them. We might not have wanted them. Or maybe we're super excited about them. But guess what? Ready or not, here they come. And they're a powerful thing. And I just believe that God wants us to understand three things about the power of seasons and specifically the power of a new season in our life. Before I give you the first one though, I wanna tell you what the uh, National Geographic definition of a season is. It is a period of the year that is distinguished by special climate conditions. Each season has its own light, temperature, and weather patterns that repeat yearly. So for those brainiacs out there, there you go. That's the scientific definition. But each season is different markedly with different temperature, different daylight, different uh, climactic conditions and so forth. But here's the thing. I believe God wants us to know first and foremost that the power of a season is that it reminds us who's in control. The power of a season, of a new season, is that it reminds us who's in control. And who is that? It's our God. Our God is in control. He controls the seasons. Um, Listen to these words found in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. God is speaking through his prophet Isaiah, and he says this, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We sang about God being a way maker, right? Light in the darkness, way maker, that is who you are. I'm here to tell you this morning, first and foremost, God has good news for you. He controls the seasons. He is the one who ushers in new seasons in our lives. And if you go to any bookstore, you'll find numerous books on self-help. Anybody ever been there? There's books on, man, how to have a healthy, you know, dating life, how to have a healthy marriage, how to have healthy finances. We got Financial Peace University. We got all these different things about every area of our lives. And I think it's good. It's good. We should focus on the things we do control. We should learn about marriage, finances, parenting, job, career, hobbies, stamp collecting, whatever, that's great. Learn about it, discipline ourselves, explore new things, what we control. But there's some parts of our lives, and I know you agree with me on this, that we just don't control. It doesn't matter how many books I read, it doesn't matter how many lectures I attend, it doesn't matter how many things I try to do, I can't change the temperature out there. I don't care if I have a billion dollars. I can't change what only God can change. And here's the good news in it, that when you're at the end of your rope, when you've done everything you can do, when you've tried to change everything you can change, and that's good and right, but we serve a God who is able to do the impossible. We serve a God who is able to change the temperature out there. You know, my wife and I have our anniversary in September and um, we love to go up to the mountains like Vail and Breckenridge and places like that and you know, just have a night or two where we can celebrate together. But the thing about that time of year in those mountain and ski towns is that we'll go past an area and um, we'll see a shop and it has like coats and goggles and helmets and skis. But guess what? It might either be closed or maybe parts of it are roped off. Why? Because it's September. And it looks really weird. And then we'll keep walking and we'll get to a place that maybe has a couple of snowmobiles. 
And they're kind of sitting on the gravel somewhere, you know, or maybe he's like, and it's like, and it just looks completely out of place. What? It's useless. It's almost valueless. It's almost like, what is that? Why is that? We'll, we'll look and we'll see some ski lifts, but they're just stopped in place. They're just kind of swinging, swaying in the wind, not going anywhere, not taking anybody anywhere, not doing anything for anyone. But guess what? Then October starts to come around in November and something happens and the season begins to change and the snow starts falling. And all of a sudden, what made no sense in the prior season and what looked out of place and what had no purpose and no meaning and no, no benefit, all of a sudden has a whole new context and it begins to make sense and the snowmobiles start running and the goggles start getting put on and the, and the lifts start moving and it starts taking us somewhere. I wanna encourage you that even while the world has told us the definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different result, I'm telling you that's true most of the time. But when it's not true is when God says, you know what, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I know you've tried this over and over and over and you've knocked and knocked and knocked and you've sought and sought and sought and you've prayed and prayed and prayed and you've asked and asked and asked and you haven't seen the breakthrough yet, but I'm the God who's able to declare a new season. I'm the God who's able to say, do it one more time. Dip down into that River Jordan one more time and you're gonna see the breakthrough, you're gonna see the healing, you're gonna see the promise breakthrough in a new way in your life. Our God is the God who is able to dictate a new season. And before I tell you point number two, I just wanna share with you, oh, if we could start the clock or adjust it maybe, because I wanna respect your time. As Pastor Kim mentioned, this is Rosh Hashanah, this very weekend. We didn't even realize that when we really planned this message series out. And here we are in the new calendar. And I saw a meme on Facebook that said this, I'm not turning my clock back in September, in October, because I don't need one more hour of 2020. <laughs> Anybody feel that way? Here's the good news. God is saying you don't have to have another hour, because guess what? On my calendar, this is the beginning of a new year, Rosh Hashanah. So here's what we're going to do. In Rosh Hashanah, they actually blow the shofar. And I don't understand all the significance of it and what God, why he chose to have his people blow the shofar. But I believe that something happens in our spirits and in our minds when we align with God's reality. And we're saying, yes, God, we respect you as the creator of new seasons and new years and new times when the impossible becomes possible in our lives. So if you guys think it's cool, I'm going to blow this. And at the end, I'm open for suggestions. You can scream. You can yell. You can say, thank you, Jesus. You can say, happy new year you can sit there quietly and be like, this is so weird. I don't care. Whatever. Just do what you want. Are you guys ready? But if you need a breakthrough in your life, if you're ready for God's new season that only he can create in your life, here goes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for new seasons in our life, Lord. We embrace, God. We embrace your new thing. God, you're the creator of new seasons, and we say yes and amen to what you have lined up for us, God. Hey, the second thing I want you to know about new seasons is that they make us flexible. The power of a new season is that it can make us better because it makes us flexible. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus tells the disciples a parable, and it says these words, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. 
Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. You know, maybe you've heard about this parable if you've been a believer any amount of time. And you know what I used to think about this parable? Is that it's referring to old, stiff, grouchy people that God is angry with, right? They're like the stiff ones. I'm a stiff wineskin. I don't like the new thing that God is doing. I just like what I know and what I'm comfortable with. And here's what struck me as I studied this this time is that notice Jesus' heart for the wineskins. This parable is found in all three, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. And uh, I believe in all three of them, he makes a reference to, you know what, if, 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 if this happens and the wineskin is not ready to receive the new wine, it will burst and the wineskin will be ruined. Jesus loves his wineskins. Even when we're old and crusty and stiff, he still loves us. His heart is still for us. He still wants to use us. He still wants us to, to be renewed and be refreshed. And yeah, this process, we might not be as familiar with it now in 2020, but it's speaking of the winemaking process where they would take the grapes from the vineyard, they would trample them underfoot, they would put them in these ideally flexible, fresh wineskins so that when the gases that are given off during the fermentation process happen, that wineskin is able to flex and is able to absorb that. And what? The wine is preserved and it's made yummy and delicious so that we can enjoy it later. And the wineskin is preserved. But here's what's interesting. There are two words that Jesus uses in this parable that mean new. Both of them mean new, but they're two different words. When he's referring to the wineskins, he uses the word kainos, which means new, but it also has a reference of being renewed or refurbished. Something that has been restored to freshness. Then, when he's using the word for wine, he uses the word neos, which refers to new in age, like it literally is just brand new. And so I believe that God wants us to understand that one of the powers of a new season, when he brings us into something new that he's doing, he's saying, hey, I love you. I am not trying to break you or destroy you or, or derail you. Man, I have a purpose for you that you're able to be made flexible and fresh in a new way so that you're able to absorb the new thing that I'm wanting to do. Anybody want to be used? Anybody want new wine to be poured in to your heart? Amen. Anybody watching online, you want new wine? I'm telling you what, here's the cool thing. God has already gone before us and he's already thought of a way that this is gonna happen. Because even back then, those wineskins, when they would be used and they would kind of get stretched out, sometimes they'd get left outside. Pretend like I'm a wineskin. Just hanging out. I can't really move because I don't have, you know, legs or arms, any way to tip myself. But they would get hard and crusty and they would, you know, have a certain shape. And what would have to happen is they would have to take those wineskins and if they wanted to reuse them, they would soak them in water for a period of time. And that water would begin to have an effect of loosening the stiffness in the leather. And then, when they were done with that part of the process, they would actually take and rub them with oil. And that oil would renew and restore them. And so I have actually an experiment that, you know, it's been proven that when you douse oil all over someone's head, 
it actually does even physically produce a renewal. So Janelle, could you bring me, um, I need a volunteer real quick here for to see if this, ha I'm just kidding, no, I'm just kidding. It was a joke, people. It's okay. <laughs> Everybody's like, what's happening? <laughs> I spent an hour on my hair this morning. <laughs> no, but here's the thing, guys. Water and oil. What do those things remind us of? In the scripture, I'm sure you probably know it as much as I do, but water speaks of the word of God. When we are bathing ourselves in God's word, it makes us more pliable to identify and to receive. You know, if we're not, then we just judge on, well, am I comfortable with it or not? Am I familiar with it or not? That's good, that's bad. But if we're bathing our mind in the word of God, then it makes us more pliable to, to understand and seek out new things that God is doing and to recognize. What happened with the Pharisees? They weren't pliable, were they? And when the very son of God was walking among them, the, the living word of God, they didn't even know it. They didn't even recognize him. Man, I don't want to be like that. I want to be bathed in the word of God so that when I see Jesus in action, I can go, that's Jesus. Wow, I've never seen somebody spit and make mud and put it on somebody's eyes before, but I don't know, that's Jesus, so let's, let's do it, right? We can identify who Jesus is because we've been bathed in the word. What about this? The oil reminds us of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit, we're not in this alone, guys. Even as we look at this house church experiment, we're like, what's gonna happen? What's that gonna be like? Hey, relax. The, the, the guide that Pastor Dan talked about last weekend that took us up to the Vail Pass when the formation team was renting bikes and coming all the way down, Dan told you about how he gave all the instructions and all of that and told us to stop and take pictures and you know repeated everything like eight different times. Love you, Dave, if you're watching. Okay, um, from Alpine Rentals or whatever that is. Um, but, um, but here's the other thing that he told us. When we were getting up to the top, he goes, you know, a lot of tourists come up here and, and they're all wanting to have a good time and this and that. And he goes, but I tell them, hey, relax. This is Summit County. You know? And when he said it, it was like, you had, you know, it was like E.F. Hutton. You know, when he speaks, people listen. It was like when Dave told you and he's driving the van with all of the rental bikes and he's like, hey, relax. This is Summit County. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I better do it. But here's the deal. I believe that God wants to tell us, hey, it's okay. You can relax. Why? Because my Holy Spirit is with you. You're not alone. I know it might be scary to be out of this physical room and in someone's living room and everything's gonna look and feel a little bit different next weekend, but I'm with you. I'm here to make you pliable. I'm here to help you absorb and, and have my new wine that I'm doing poured into you. Do you believe that? Awesome. The third and final thing that I believe God wants us to, to think about this weekend, about a new season, is that it's powerful because it deepens our connection with Jesus. New seasons deepen our connection with Jesus. I want to read you verse 39 of Luke chapter 5, of that same passage we were just reading, and it says these words, and only in Luke does Jesus add this, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. How many of you guys agree old wine is better, at least more expensive? You can go to some restaurants and spend, you know, dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars getting a really old wine. Now, at Del Taco and Taco Bell, some of the restaurants I frequent, you know, they don't always have that selection. But um, you can spend a lot of money on wine. The old is better. And here's the interesting thing. I believe that Jesus wants us to understand something. Old wine is for enjoying. Would you agree? Old wine is for enjoying with him. Old wine tastes yummy, if you know, you're into that sort of thing. New wine is for producing. 
it's the new harvest. It's, it's new wine eventually becomes old wine, right? And it becomes tastier. And I believe Jesus has a little secret for us here. He's saying, hey, is old wine good or is new wine good? What do you think? Both. The old wine is referring to those ways in which we feel intimacy with him, right? Those, those things in our spiritual walk, maybe it's coming to a building on a weekend for a service, and that's like, oh my goodness, I love that. I just feel the presence of God. I just feel, you know, just I'm so good when, you know, Janelle's up there, Pastor Janelle, and it's just like, oh, you know, and the heavens open, and, and the fog, you know, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But, you know, whatever it might be, and it's like, that's old wine, that's yummy, that's tasty. I enjoy Jesus' presence, through that experience and God is saying is that good yes it is am I trying to take that away from you I'm not old wine is good old wine is very tasty but he's also saying I also want you to join me in the producing of new wine how do I know this song of Solomon I think I just won 20 bucks for being the first pastor to preach on song of Solomon in the sanctuary not in a marriage retreat but we are going to read the entire thing. So if there's any, no, I'm just kidding. In chapter 7, verses 11 and 12, listen to what it says. I am my lovers, and I don't think I gave them to, oh, I, I did, they put them in us, thank you. I am my lovers, and he claims me as his own. Come, my love, let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. Let us get up early and go to the vineyards to see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates have bloomed. When I heard Bob Sorgate, he's an author and, and uh, spiritual leader. He was a worship pastor who lost his voice completely, and it catapulted him into a depression and a season, speaking of seasons, of confusion. Have you ever been there? Of wondering, what in the world, God? How could you let this happen? Don't you understand this is my ministry? This is my identity? This is my income? This is my training? This is my gift? How could you do this? He found himself in that place, but from that place of deep brokenness has flowed a life of ministry and a writing of many books and just a walk with Jesus that is like, whoa. You know, whenever you read someone who, who is in that place of intimacy with Jesus and you're like, okay, I'll have what he's having, right? Like, this is intense. This is amazing. That's Bob Sorge, and he taught about Song of Solomon at a worship conference that I attended when I was a worship pastor years ago, and he said this, that throughout the book of Song of Solomon, we're reading about passionate romance, and of course, it reminds us and it represents Jesus and his bride, the church, us, right? So we're reading all about that very graphically, lovemaking and all of that, but then in this passage, we see that the, the bridegroom says, come on, yes, I love being with you in this place and in this chamber, but come with me to the vineyards because I also want you to join me in my work of harvesting the grapes. I also want you to be a part of what I'm doing. It's not one or the other. I love being here with you and drinking this old wine in this place, but I also want you to follow me into the fields and see if they've budded and blossomed. And I believe that Jesus has a word for us as his church saying, hey, it's okay to have things that we love about church as we've known it. It's okay to have the familiar things. It's okay. He's not trying to destroy all of that or take, take that from us. But he's inviting us saying, hey, there are also some new things that I want to do. There's also some new wine that I'm working on. And it might not be as yummy tasty yet, but I'm inviting you. Would you come join me in this? 
Would you join me so that we as bride and bridegroom together can be a part of this process of making this new wine? It's gonna require flexibility. It's gonna require courage. It's gonna be uncomfortable a little bit. But if you follow me, it's gonna be amazing. And it will bring me much glory. Man, I hope our answer is yes to what Jesus is saying. What's that gonna look like, guys? Some of this, again, next weekend, those of you that have uh, chosen to be a part of this, man, we're gonna be gathering in different homes. If you have it yet and you're hearing about it, perhaps for the first time today, go to shinechurch.life slash housechurch. Shinechurch.life slash housechurch. The link is up on the screens. And you can see the house churches that we have available. If you can't find one, become a member of the I Need Help Finding a Saturday group or I Need Help Finding a Sunday group. We are committed to helping you or to forming new groups if we need to to make sure that everybody who wants to be a part of this has a place to be a part of this. But as we're sitting there in some living room next weekend, man, it might be look different, right? The meal, normally we've come here and we're like, oh, wow, there's hot dogs being grilled after service. That's nice. There's an angel from, sent from heaven flipping the, the patties. Oh, look, there's two more angels carrying an ice chest with delicious drinks. Oh, look, you know, wow, we don't understand how any of this happens, but God sends his angels in it all. Now, next weekend, guess what? It might be you. Like, hey, can you help us with this ice chest? Hey, would you mind flipping this burger or this pancake? Hey, would you mind, you know, rinsing those plates or whatever? And all of a sudden, we're gonna get involved in a new way. It might be a little bit different than what we're used to, but maybe could that be part of God's new wine to call us into new places of serving and fellowshipping together? What about the message? Maybe you're used to hearing somebody just you know, impart to you. And now next week, it might be like, wow, I've got a choice of whether I'm willing to share what I feel the Lord is saying through this. And man, that's like, whew. you know, Twilight Zone. Might be scary, but it can be good. What about the worship time? Maybe you're, just, you're used to being in here and just enjoying this full band on the platform and the drums and everything. And next week, it's like, we're seeing it on screen. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. And then we have to decide, like, are we gonna, what are we gonna do with our hands, right? You know there's different things you can do in worship, like carry my TV. Have you seen the person worshiping like, worship you, God? <laughs> carry my big screen. Hands up. Touchdown. You know, all that to say, you're, now you've got to figure it out in this room, but all of a sudden now in a, in a house church, it looks different. Now you're like, I don't want to be the touchdown worshiper anymore. I'm going to go back to carry my big screen. You know, whatever. We're going to have to adjust what that even looks like, how we worship Jesus with music coming from a screen. Maybe eventually is there somebody with a guitar or a piano in the, in the living room. It's going to require stretching. Pastor Dan talked about it last weekend, right? It's, it's that bike ride going down the hill for the first time. But God is calling us into something. What about praying together? Wow. Just that opportunity to like, are we going to be vulnerable and share if we're going through something difficult? Or are we going to just hold it in? I don't, I don't think anybody would, I don't want to burden them with that. I don't, I don't think they really would care. We do care about each other, right? We do care. God is calling us to bear each other's burdens, to understand what each other's going through. And I know that takes, you know, I know it takes baby steps, one step at a time. But I want to encourage us, guys. What I felt to challenge us with as a body is that this house church experiment will only work if we are willing to allow the wine that God has put in us to be poured out for each other, right? If you were here last weekend, you heard sometimes it's not about us 
or it's not only about us. And I believe God wants to do something so awesome and refreshing in every one of our lives next week and in the months to come. But I think the challenge of it is that God wants to soften our hearts this week, even in preparation for that, to say, am I willing to share my thoughts? Am I willing to be vulnerable? Am I willing to share what I'm really going through? Am I willing to be real and to take the mask off and let the walls come down a little bit? And I believe that if we're willing to pour out that wine, we will be like the Apostle Paul. He actually used these words, not those words, but these words. He said this, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. He was telling the Philippian church, hey, I am willingly being poured out. I am pouring out what God has put in me for your good. And guess what? Someone else is looking back at you saying, well, I'm pouring out what God has put in me for your good. And see how that works? We begin to pour out the wine, the new wine from Jesus that he's placed in us. And God is able to do a new and fresh thing. So I want to pray with us as we close. And uh, then we've got a special announcement we want to make. Father, we thank you so much for taking us to new places, Lord, as your body. And Lord, even as some of us are considering, hey, do I want to be a part of this thing? Or, or maybe we're even exploring, hey, maybe because of COVID, I don't feel I can be a part of a larger thing, but should I invite one other couple to our house to watch the service? Or how can we experience what you're leading us into next weekend? God, I pray that you would minister to every heart, that everyone would know exactly what you're calling us to and the path that you are making in the wilderness for us to make this new thing possible in our lives. Lord, we want to say yes to you, yes to a new season, yes to a new way of seeing Jesus alive and active in us and through us, that others even may come to know how good you are. Lord, prepare our hearts. We invite your oil. We invite the water of your word. We invite your soothing hand upon us. Lord, make us pliable. Make us renewed. Make us fresh and able to receive what you have. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.